All right, Drew, my friend, thanks to have you back again on the podcast. So we're going to talk today about UFOs or UAPs now, and we're going to talk about why, why haven't they made themselves known? Because okay. the big question that people ask all the time, why haven't the aliens just landed on the White House lawn? Um, this is going to be completely speculative because nobody really knows why they haven't or if they're even aliens, so on and so forth. But let's speculate and have a really interesting conversation about this. So what do you think, Drew? Why do you think it is that aliens haven't, if they, if these UAPs are aliens, um, or as some of the intelligence community has said, they might be extra dimensional or interdimensional beings that are traveling through, literally traveling through space and time um, or alternate realities and um, other dimensions? Well, first of all, thanks for having me back to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Um, just before I roll into anything on the philosophical and intellectual side of this, we're going under the assumption that 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 aliens do exist and we're just wondering essentially why they haven't made themselves known to us right yes okay i, I am going to I, I make the assumption myself that these craft maybe not all of them but um that they are primarily alien in nature whether they're not from this earth or not from this dimension right so yes well i mean works. there's a couple I mean, all this is none of this is founded in fact, but but there is some scientific theory and some historical perspective that you could look at. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever read Hawking's kind of take on this about how if you look at throughout now, granted, this is predicated upon the history of man. But if we assume these are biological creatures like us and evolved somewhere along the lines of our evolution and and we wouldn't know that to be the fact at all, but predicated upon what we know of human kind and what we know of human initiative and how we kind of bend towards violence it's this dint of our genetic disposition or historical right. perspective prerogative whatever term you care to use um hawking's always said that throughout history when a superior culture and when i say superior i mean technologically superior culture meets an inferior right. culture it has never ended well historically. Um, right. You know, time and time again, you know, uh, <laughs> i.e., uh, uh, you know, most recent history, uh, you know, when the Spanish came to, to South America um, and when the Dutch came to North America, you know, uh, what we did to the Native Americans was appalling. And, uh, you know, if that were to be the case with aliens meeting our culture, the amount of advanced technology they'd have to have to get here juxtaposed against the technology that we currently have. Uh, I can't help but think by hook or by crook, it would probably end badly for us. Um, you know, now that's just assuming that, that, that this culture has traveled through the expanse of outer space to, to travel to this little corner of the universe, considering the expanse of the universe, one, why would they be coming here? Um, suffice to say that if transpermia does indeed exist and life throughout the universe has been scattered and created, then it's suffice to say that there's probably advanced culture spread throughout the universe. Yeah. Why would they be coming? Why with the, uh, with clearly having massively advanced technology beyond our own, why would they be coming here? Is it a science experiment? Are we the closest evolved life in their in their backyard? You know, uh, universally speaking, when I say backyard, um, is it a resource find? Is it uh, right. you know th th those are the questions you really have to ask. Like, and suffice to say, 
that we could ignore some of those and say they are indeed here observing us and watching us and keeping an eye on us, then it would probably be safe to say it's not a resource sort of search because they would probably have the technology to to take care of us and take the resources that they want and be done. So then if they are indeed here, and these are a lot of suppositions, by the way, but if they they are indeed here and they are watching us, then it would make sense that it would be a science experiment. Uh, You know, like let's clear something up here. Let's, let's clear something up real quick because these let's um, I've been trying to, while we were, while you were talking, I was looking for the quote where um, NASA, I believe it was NASA had sent a message on the Voyager to space um that if these civilizations were out there they're broadcasting our coordinates where we are well the gold record yeah what our biological makeup is and how to find us right (laughs) which is i i can't i don't even want to comment on how stupid that seems to me um because even if there are let's let's assume for a moment that there are aliens out there possibly right you don't know if there are good or bad ones and you're going to give that information. Like, would you do that in real life on earth about to like people that, you know, right. It's safe to give out your coordinates to everyone and tell them how to get to your house. Like that sounds right. insane on any level, whether it be a, a more terrestrial or an extraterrestrial level, that is a stupid move. Right. Um, which is weird. It's, it's like they didn't, they didn't exercise any amount of logical um, thinking about how, what, what they're doing in that, in that situation. I okay, do think they exercise. I'm sorry, God, I'll let you finish. No, no. What were you going to say? I, I wanna, do I think, I think they exercised the sort of hopefulness that comes from, this has always been the problem with the overtly intellectual is that they run everything through the filter of their experience. So in the attempts to find intelligent life and the attempts to discover the outer boundaries of the world as we know it, they are applying a human hopefulness to that record that they put on Voyager, sent it out to the darkness of outer space that this would find another quote unquote civilized culture that we could, we could discover and have a meeting of the minds and, you know, explore the universe together. And it is a, is it not ignorant? It is a hopeful perspective on the world, but how often throughout history has a hopeful perspective and a hopeful journey ended in bloodshed and tears more often than not, one would argue. Well, that's, that's why my position is that I think that they are either being naive or um, they're being a little uh, cocky, you know, yeah. they, they are to, to th- because on the one hand, in my opinion, it seems like they either think that there are no aliens out there anyway. So this is just a, it's just a show of faith to the human, to the, to the world. We're going to send this out there. We don't really believe they're out there. We're going to tell them where we are because if they are, I want them to show their faces. Like a, it's like a middle finger to the, to the idea that there's something out there when they don't believe it in the first place, because there are scientists that are worried about it. Like, like Hawkins, um, that are worried about the idea of a civilization finding us and whether or not they'll be peaceful or not or hostile and that we should be cautious no matter what because we don't know. Right. Um, they are, that, that lack of recognition of history, of even our history, of the possibility of an, of an aggressor isn't even taken into consideration when they sent that message. Because again, they sent not just the coordinates, they, they sent um, our biological makeup. Now imagine a civilization that has the technology to get to us and we can't see them. Yeah. If I we mean, can't see them, then and and they can get to us, then that means they're technologically superior. And if you're going to give them our biological makeup, you are essentially giving them any way, every way they can possibly think of of destroying us, wiping well, us out easy. I mean, 
Yes and no. And I'm, this is just me playing devil's advocate. I'm not necessarily disagreeing right. with you as much as I'm saying that like Sagan had a lot to do with that, that golden record that went out there and on right. it, they, they put um, just the outline or the, uh, uh, an engraving outline of both the male and female form. And uh, I mean, you could say that that's kind of a biological marker, but I don't think there was any DNA information included in that. I know they I use like they a said we're like mostly carbon based. Um, okay, okay, carbon based light forms, and uh, they did include. This is me just pulling from my bad memory, so this might not be true. They they put a hydrogen atom or a, some sort of atom on there as a universal marker, so that they could show like we knew we couldn't communicate them with language because they obviously aren't going to speak whatever we speak. Um, if they speak at all. So we used uh, scientific markers. I think we used a couple, uh, it was hydrogen or nitrogen or carbon, some sort of atom to designate, you know, this universal thing that if they conquered space travel, they probably know what a carbon atom is kind of thing. And then probably. the, the, the record included, uh, it had Chuck Berry's, uh, Johnny be good on it. It had a baby crying. It had sounds of earth right. on it, you know, which I think is really cool. It's very inspiring. It's, it's like, uh, but I mean, as much as it is hubris, to your point, naivete, even uh, you, if you look at it from a purely mathematical perspective, that is like lobbing a that is like lobbing a hat pin into the ocean, and hoping that you spear one particular molecule of water out of the sea okay. of the ocean. Like you are sending this. It, it it's what that that was sent in the seventies, and it's just now reached the outer limits of our universe, let alone to travel right. into outer space, it could travel through permanent darkness for millions of years, hundreds of millions of years. So as much as that is certainly hubris and naivete, it's also naivete backed up against astronomical negative numbers mathematically. That is a very good point. I didn't even consider that, to be honest. I didn't even, it didn't cross my mind to consider the mathematical probability of even finding somebody finding or some intelligent civilization finding that message. stumbling across now um, you could argue you that again well no you but you could argue further that if 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 if, uh, if a advanced culture were smart enough to create space travel then they may have some sort of radiation radiation observation and even the small amount of radiation that that satellite gives off could be picked up and intercepted and everything. So there is a whole X factor of probabilities right. that goes on, but I still think it's a very nominal probability of discovery. Now, that being said, I think that if a, a technology, uh, if a culture beyond our own has created a technology to trans to travel through outer space, I think that that golden plate floating through the abyss of the universe is null and void in comparison to their ability to find this pale blue dot and discover, right. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, if we can figure out, you know, we, we take light that comes from distant planets and we want it, we run it through a prism and that prism breaks it up by the color spectrum. We then put a, a, a magnifying glass against that color spectrum and we can tell that light source, what, what the chemical makeup is, if it's oxygen, if it's which oxygen. is, I think that's so interesting. It's amazing. That's it's so amazing. interesting. And um, because, yeah, no, especially for me, I mean, you're levels of ab abstraction that I, I don't know anything about that. Um, that is, that's amazing to me. It's, it's phenomenal. Well, 
I say all that to say this. If we can do that at our level of mechanical and scientific comprehension, what imagine what a culture that is capable of traveling through space is able to do. You know, speed, you know, okay. the thing that's always, I, I've always been so interested about space travel and that, that it's really, really constitutes a lot of very complex problems. And, and I am interested in the advancement of the human race. And I really think that, let me get a little bit away from aliens here, but I think the premise remains the same and I'll bring it back to the point that in order for us to evolve as a species, the next grand step in evolution for mankind is us realizing that we're all one. And what I mean is, is that either by an alien landing on the White House, realizing that there is a universe beyond our own and a world beyond our own and put a lot of old conventional thoughts to rest. That, just, sorry again. Man, you just brought up a very big aspect of this this phenomenon um and you know the the idea that if there are aliens or extra dimension whatever these being if there's an, another life form other than other than human being or what is terrestrial to us now um the implications are they they're they're they change everything right um because now there's so much more to consider about how life develops even not just here but out there um, and it opens up an, a completely new universe because now the, if there's one other life form not from here, then there should be plenty more. Right. Like that's, right. One designates that's dozens, it. if not millions, right? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we're going to talk – we're going to bring that back around because there was another point that you brought up about, you know, how earlier, how human beings, we see through the filter of, of what our experience is. And so when we look at these, the, the potential for aliens, we think, you know, oh, they're, they could kill us because we kill, you know, our civilization is, is always dominating other lesser technologically advanced populations in, within our planet. Right. Why wouldn't something that's intergalactic or interdimensional do the same for whatever yeah. the reason is, whatever, because we have different purposes among us. Why wouldn't there be different purposes among them too? Um, I think that's a really interesting, those are really interesting points to bring up. Let's bring this to more a more realistic perspective. Okay. Okay. Um, because the hypotheticals are great, and I, I like to explore the possibilities. But let's talk about what's really happening. The government has finally admitted that UAPs are a phenomenon that need to be considered a, um, a priority, something that we right. need to be looked at by the scientific community and needs to be acknowledged and talked about more within the, 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 within the military and the different branches of the military, specifically the Navy. The Navy a lot because they're they're these UAPs are performing under intelligent control and they're performing in ways that we can't even we don't even understand. So for a moment let's think we we're looking we're observing a phenomenon um that appears to be intelligently directed that is performing in ways that vastly outperform our technological advances today by orders of magnitude. Uh what scientists have said or even the military has said that that when they observe these phenomena, pilots will say, we can't imagine how a technology is able to do the maneuvers that they're doing, the speeds, producing 600 G-forces. Um, they can't imagine how that's even possible, how right. a life form could survive those speeds. And so science, scientists have now considered the possibility that they're not alien. Um, that's why I brought up interdimensional, because the talk within the scientific community now 
now that it's not so taboo, is that these beings, it's less likely that they're alien. It's more likely that they're they're traveling through time and space itself. Right. That they're that they are bending space and time and that their craft, these 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 craft are literally like dimensional. They have right. a they have a an extra dimensional, interdimensional capacity right. for performance. That is a real thing. That's not a that's not a that's not you know speculation or fantasy or just projections of possibilities. This is what the the U.S. government and of course all of the governments around the world are are looking at as well. This phenomena, um, but this is what our government is talking about. The DoD, you know, the the NASA just just I believe yesterday had a conversation about how serious this topic is. It's not a joke anymore. It is a serious concern for every aspect of humanity. And now NASA has come out and said that they're genuinely very concerned. They're, they're, they are very concerned about this phenomenon. Because what they're seeing is they're seeing, and this is not, again, I'm not, I want to bring this to a real thing. Because that, we, that way we can start from that place and then really speculate what, what could be, what the possibilities are. Um, they are seeing an increase in the phenomena, these objects entering our atmosphere from space and going into our waters. And they operate with what they say, complete impunity. There is no consequence for invading um, protected airspace or secure airspace. They are literally flying over or they're, you know, whatever they're flying, whatever, however they travel, um, are, they're navigating through military training exercises and, and taunting pilots, taunting them is what the pilots say. They are flying around them and then splitting apart and they look like cubes with orbs around them. They look like cylinders. They look like discs. They look like Tic Tacs. They're not any conventional. They don't represent any conventional characteristics of what a, a uh, an object would look like if it were to fly from our perspective of technology, from our understanding of, of physics. They're defying physics as we know it. They're defying everything. They're traveling faster than the speed of light and they're doing it instantaneously and they're doing it uh, uh, transmedium so whether it be in space, in our atmosphere, or underwater, with speeds that don't, they're not inhibited by any of those changes. Mm-hmm. So if they're going, you know, a thousand miles in the air, they can go into the water and, and there's, no, there's no resistance or change in their direction, which, you know, if you, if you fly underwater, there's going to be some resistance. You're going to slow down in speed. It's going to slightly deviate your your trajectory because you're hitting something whether it be water you know um and they're not doing that they're not they're just it's like they don't even care about the rules of physics at all mm. and this is observed by navy pilots trained people that are that are trained to see to notice weather phenomena and anomalies that might be something else through multiple observation methods mm-hmm. some that they can't even discuss because they're the, the observation methods are classified so it's not just a guy in a, on a farm somewhere or some people saw something they thought was this it's navy pilots that are that are scared that because they're having near collisions with these objects and they're weird it's real right and they're not us they're not america they're not russia they're not china because they're experiencing the exact same phenomena see with i the exact I, same threat i'm sorry good no it's 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 um i want to know what i want to know what you think about all that i wanted to establish that at least that there is a re, there's a reality to this phenomenon that is that is, is suggesting that these these objects are intelligently navigated by something other than human beings. Well, there is a reality there, but in all due respect, there's a lot of conjecture as well. And what I mean is, is that, so have you noticed to... how since the advent of the smartphone, there's been a massive decrease in the average Joe seeing UFOs and everything like that, right? Like the more of 
the stone pillar of reality and science we chip away, the more that these things become explainable. And that is from an everyday perspective. Now, the quality of testimony from military people and pilots and planes have gone up dramatically, or maybe it's always been this way and we're now just getting the reports and the government's actually showing it for what it is. Combination of both from what right. they said. But my, I am reticent, you know, the, when I say conjecture, I mean, one, we're not sure it's not us, that we're not sure if it's interdimensional. Uh, it, you and I are both very scientific and we have a lot of hope for Everything. mankind discovering better these future. sort of intelligent lives and this better future and these things existing so we have to attempt and i say this respectfully that we don't attempt to inject too much of our hopeful perspective and inject that into the information that we have to be factual and what i don't know is is like given the history of mankind given the history of just the cia alone you know they used the roswell incident in the 50s the CIA leaned into it. We have these documents now because we were trying to hide the the SR-71 Blackbird and some other massive right. advancements we had made in, in technology from the Russians. And in doing so, by hiding it under the guise of alien life. And that's not to say that I still don't believe that that's a probability, but I do know that the government is really good at subterfuge. And who's to know that this is not indeed a modern example of that same subterfuge? Is that there could be a whole entire arms race going on in the world behind the world between the likes of China and Russia and America. And the last thing they want to do is divulge that information to we plebs. And this could be an example of that conjecture, maybe taking it from the court of public opinion and putting it into the court of governmental opinion and submittees and excuse me, committees and hearings that that's just all part of that same subterfuge of look at us. We're taking this seriously. You know, we're giving you snippets of information, but not all of the information. And, you know, and again, I am again, glad you brought that up. Actually, conjecture. That's really, I, I, yeah, I'm actually, I don't think you understand. I, I'm glad that you are more skeptical than I am um, because I think that you need to be, you also need to be skeptical. And sometimes I get, you know, I, I have a perspective that tends to be leaning towards the affirmative. And right. so I will look at this data, I will look at this information and look at these sources, and I will take them, not all at face value, but I, I, I'm skeptical of what they say still and who they are and what their credentials are and all that. But I also weigh that with the, with the, uh, with the phenomena that's, that's being observed as well by citizens. Right. And of course, the history and all that stuff. And I do think about whether or not about Roswell and how they, they said that it was a, it was essentially a smokescreen and they capitalized on the alien, the alien idea because they wanted to hide a, a, a secret program as well. I, I remember again, there, I've, I've, I've read the day after Roswell, which is again, we're talking about a book that's in the affirmative. It seems to be. Um, however, however, let's wait, let's, let's, I want to hear your perspective with, information like Bob Lazar, uh, references like Bob Lazar, where he describes not only um, where he worked, what he worked on, what he's seen, he's also described how some of these craft are, how, how they, what the mechanisms within them are, and yeah. how they fly, how they travel. Um, and he's done it in great detail, and he's a, he's a physicist. I mean, this, he's been smeared by the, by the government because of him releasing information that he wasn't supposed to classified. He did it out of fear. And there's a big story behind Bob Lazar and it's controversial. I won't, I will admit, but what you can't, you, even when he was on the Joe Rogan experience, it's pretty clear that he seems to be telling the truth. Seems um, like a very credible witness to me. 
very credible. Louis Elizondo, who worked for um, a program, he started a program called ATIP, um, Advanced Aer Aerospace Threat Identification Program is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And he did it by on his own um, with a small group of people, apparently very small. Like I think it was like two people that he worked with um, for the government, for the Pentagon. And when he finally saw so much, he said that he had to, he felt like he, he was, he had an obligation to tell the American people because it started to look more like. Is that the British guy? The guy that was on project blue book, that guy. Oh no, 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 no. Um, that I can't think of it. Oh my gosh. You got, you know, talking about the British I, guy, the dark hair guy with the glasses that was originally, I think it was, no. was put on to the, uh, it was put on to disprove UFOs by the UK government. And after like a decade and a half, was so convinced yeah, by the overwhelming amount of evidence that he saw, he actually flipped sides and now believes in alien life. Guy. Yeah, that's I can't remember. I'm sorry. Guy. Go ahead. I mean, uh, I don't mean to. I, I, thought, I, I don't know. No, that's that's another person I know you're talking about. I can't think of his name. Um, there's well, I mean, there's plenty though, but th there's Buzz Aldrin, who made some comments that are questionable. But he's also not. He doesn't believe in aliens per se. He thinks that he thinks the possibilities are there. But now the ex NASA administrator has finally come out this year. And, and he said he's seen some things that make him believe that this is not us. This ain't us. They're not doing things that are, that are humanly possible and, or that we're technologically even capable of. Now, before I even get to that point, Lou Elizondo, when he came out, the DLD, the Pentagon, said he never worked for them, said he, it's a lie. It's not true. And he got a lot of scrutiny because of it because, because hey, this guy's saying he's, he's, that aliens are real, that they're extra dimensional, that they're from, they might be from the future, that they're he's making some claims that are like really concerning, but also very interesting in that they they changed the, you know, how we see ourselves in the universe. And they're in the DOD and the Pentagon saying, no, it's not true, it's a lie. And then right after they said it's not a lie, that it's a lie, they admitted that he did work for them. Right. That he did run a program called ATIP, that he is who he says he is, and he has a credential he says he does. And they had to come out and admit that. Now, is that a no. is that an omission of aliens to the affirmative, or is that an omission to the fact that the government is working on things that they don't want us to know to the affirmative? That's another thing. So his he implies, and he's very what he does is he says he leaves breadcrumbs, and he likes to say um, he likes to say things in a way that doesn't. He's not necessarily breaking his. He's still under um, secrecy. He still has yeah. to uh, or class, classified. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but he still has to. He still has to be careful what he talks about because. Some of the information is classified, and he's still under an NDA. See that this. However, is where, he does. I'm sorry, guys. No, what were you going to say? See, this is where the skeptic in me starts to rear his ugly head, and that I'm always reticent of people that that do this tongue in cheek. Um, you know, I leave breadcrumbs. I, I I kind of hint at it and intimate at it without actually confirming it because of this weird ethereal thing that I can't necessarily prove or disprove. A, and and, and I, again, I accept that. Not discrediting that. this person as a witness. I'm just always, and this this is just me never allowing myself to have any fun. Is that I constantly have to oh. nitpick everything that people tell me and be like, I think well, it's a good thing. Okay. I think it's good. I think and, it's you know, good. I think it's good. I, I, what did old George Carlin say? Uh, never underestimate the stupidity of people in large groups. And uh, I, I wonder, and I'm sucked into it constantly about so desperately wanting to believe things that like, I am not knocking the credibility of these people because, you know, the, the military pilots. Bob Lazar makes really good points. Like to, to, can I come to, can I talk about Bob Lazar for just a second? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, definitely. It, it, it all seems, all evident points to the fact that he didn't, fact work at, at Alamos and at Area 51 and everything to that effect. So I believe that to be fact. Um, 
You know, he does seem a little crazy, like in the things that he does, but he seems like he's a wild guy. I don't think that detracts from the testimony that he's given about the the, the crafts. The the engine he described in these quote unquote spacecrafts right. does really raise interesting physics questions in that the reason that we cannot quote unquote travel the breadth of the universe as it stands right now is up to our limited and current understanding of Einsteinian physics. If the speed limit, which is the speed of light is 186 million miles a second, 186, wait, wait, 186,000 miles per second. Let me double check that. Hold it's going to drive me. It's going to drive Google me nuts. It. 186,000 miles a second is the universal okay. speed limit, right? That's the speed of light. And, uh, you know, everybody in Europe is putting their hands over their ears because I'm using miles. But regardless. <laughs> Kilometers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 186,000 miles per second. We can't even travel at the full speed of light because according to Einsteinian physics, the closer you get to the speed of light, if you were to travel at the absolute speed of light, you would become infinitely massive. It's a, it's a, it's a physics conundrum that even I don't understand. I just know that it's what inhibits us from traveling. So even in our own universe and our own solar system to travel from one side to the other, which let's see how broad, how wide is our, how wide? It's just increased. If you're looking is, for the known universe, it's gotten bigger. Is our universe, just our, gal our galaxy and light years. Uh, we're 105,000 light years across is the galaxy that we find ourselves in. So that means That's but what changed. we know of the Icenian physics, if we were to travel at the speed of light, it would take us 105,000 years to get from one end of our galaxy to the other. Which is ridiculous. So, and um, even however, and under. And under Einsteinian physics, we can even travel to full speed light. We can travel something like 99.9% the speed of light. So even if we got right. plasma rockets, which what we is what we think about using now, which can and add a continuing level of speed over time beyond conventional gas rockets that could create an increase in speed that could get us close to the speed of light. Even with all that, it would still take us 105,000 years just to travel across our own galaxy, let alone to expand right. the universe. Now, what LeVar... What, Bob Lazar states, and this is my rudimentary understanding of it, is that the engine in those spaceships creates a hole in time and space where the universe collapses around you, and you're basically falling through time and space. Yes. So if you're yes. falling through time and space, then, then the rules of physics don't apply. You could take a 90-degree turn at 600 Gs, and it wouldn't splatter your insides like it would to a soft, malleable mammalian human, right? So it doesn't... Right. And I have never gone down the rabbit hole further to see if any other reputable physicists have disputed you know again it was a very rudimentary hand-drawn showing of the motor the way he described because he didn't the have physics, any, though. yeah he couldn't he couldn't take the documents with him and show us right so that's right, why right. he's given us a yeah but even his his description of this physics engine or this motor i can't remember the term he uses for it I have never, um, I'm always interested to see what a scientist that disagrees with him would have to say so I could get both perspectives in my head. And even with that, I have reached my limited of, of my scientific capacity to understand. So they could both sit there and make really valid, valid arguments. And I'm not smart enough to understand what points either of them would be making about it, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for them to give us the condensed version as well. So it's, it, let's not get it twisted. Right. My, my, th my thing is, is not just, so let's, that's another thing. I, I like, I appreciate that you have, again, that much more skeptical perspective because I like to be grounded. Um, I am, I am convinced 
So, so I want to bring a little bit back to Louis Elizondo about this um, credibility issue or that, you know, cause there have been, and there still is, I mean, the, the guy that runs the black fault, which is a, is a website that's been around for decades that his um, they, he does FOIA. it's run by a guy named John Greenwell. And okay. He runs FOIA requests uh, to the government to get declassified documentation about UAP UFOs. Now, now UAPs, um, UFO stuff and a lot of other things as well. And he puts them on a site called the Black Vault. So anybody out there, theblackvault.com's got a lot, a big resource for the for that kind of information for just literal documents from the government, declassified. Some of them are, are redacted, some of them are not. Um, he doesn't he he he's skeptical of Luis Elizondo as well, um, for a couple of reasons. But he doesn't deny that Luis Elizondo says he is who he says he is has the credentials okay. he, he said he has and 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 run ran the program called ATIP um for the DOD for the Pentagon so that's a real that's a pretty so so imagine this let's say that he's lying he could go to prison for lying about this information because what he's doing is he's stirring and he's ginning up this um this uncertainty in the government and our ability to protect our our aerospace um, to protect the American people. And it, it leaves a vulnerability to our, our enemies um, because now they know that there is something, the technology that that we are vulnerable to completely. Right. To. Um, and that's it. That's again, I'm trying to be as grounded as possible here. That's something that we can, we can look at it as a, as a reality, not mm-hmm. a speculation. He's telling these things without, with impunity. He's not being, he's right, not being um, my point is, for my, my point to that is that Government everything he says. No, no, not even that. Like, like he's working on the information that he has. Okay, and right. you, 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 you touch on a key phrase that's really pivotal. I think the conversation we're trying to have, and that is that you said something effective that you know these governments now know this that 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 this is you know now these people can travel with impunity in their airspace. How do we know if not one but multiple governments are perpetrating that very technology? Very question predicated very upon question. what Let he knows. So. Following following that thought, um, these objects. Well, look at look at ancient history. Look at um look at archaeology, where they find pyramids and well hieroglyphs that depict beings they called gods, and these gods were depicted very similarly to sometimes gray aliens or reptilian aliens that people could say that that are real, or whatever. Um, that people are talking about thousands of years later today. Look right. at what we had, you know, there have been accounts, historical accounts. Now they didn't have video evidence back in, in, you know, the 1800s, but there are, there are accounts back in the 1800s of entire towns seeing objects that have these big disc shaped objects. They didn't call them disc shaped. They called them something else, but they were, they were flying, you know, floating in space, doing the exact same things that they're doing today. Well, or in the Bible where they talk about like the, the star of David, that guided them to where Jesus was. I could go and, and down so on and so forth. I could go down a serious rabbit hole on this. I, I only say there's a really good book by a gentleman named Graham Hancock. It's called Fingerprints of the Gods, and uh, it Heard touches. It. I never up. read it. Never read it. It's amazing. It's a Bible, but it's amazing. Um, and uh, a lot of this is discussed. You know, the common culture of man, our shared history of of you know uh, Moses ascends to heaven in a chariot of fire, and right. uh, even Renaissance and ancient cultures sharing a common thread quetzalcoatl down in mexico being a plume serpent who flied in and out of the sky i i say that to say this and i i'm tend i tend to agree more with his take on it than i do the one you're describing and I, i'll say i'll tell you what it is his 
postulation is that we have a shared lost civilization here on the planet Earth. And what we mean okay. to say is, is that if you look at the expanse of time that mammals have been on this planet, the Earth is 4.6 billion years old. What we know of current fossil records, the evolved version of you and I have been here for about 175 to 250,000 years, depending on who you ask. Now, what you and I know of current recorded history is roughly five to 7,000 years old. If you look at like ancient Sanskrit and Sumerian texts, right. up until before that, as far as we know, we were a strictly oral tradition. We were, we were strictly oral civilization in that we recorded our histories orally and didn't write them down and have any form of communication. What he postulates and what I tend to agree with is that if we've been here for, let's even err on the low end of it, 175,000 years, that's to say that we only know about 7,000 of that time span. So that is to say that 169,000 nice, years of mankind has gone unrecorded and completely unknown. Who's to say? in that 169,000 years of us existing, the evolved form of you and I, that another advanced culture had not been created and destroyed in that time. And in its, in its destruction, the survivors didn't travel to the four corners of the earth and spread what they knew of science and technology at the time, because so many ancient religions have a common thread in that a bearded man falls from the sky and teaches them math and irrigation and animal husbandry and shows them how to set up civilization and society. Is that a higher probability or is the probability that an an alien from another planet came here and showed us that? I, I would say that either of them are equally probable, but I think that the shared lost civilization has a marginally higher probability than the alien astronaut theory, the ancient astronaut theory. I've got two questions for you. The first one's a simple answer. The second one's a little bit more uh, complex. One, is there anything that you don't study? Because I didn't know that you knew anything about this stuff. They, 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 that's called, at least from what I just learned recently, they call that crypto terrestrials, right? which is what I understand of it is that they are, there are these beings that are either us or maybe they're another, um, another organism, but they're native to this planet that has always existed and that had a civilization collapse at one point. And then we had evolved um, on the surface of the planet. As yeah, the, a, old, the old antediluvian theory, the, the whole, uh, what, what was the, 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 the continent that Plato talked about that was just supposedly destroyed in the Atlantic ocean, the uh, Atlantis, Which Atlantis, the antediluvian okay, okay. theory, you know, so there's a lot that, of, that actually, maybe that was one yeah. of them or something to that effect. Yeah. Well, there, there is archeological evidence of a civilization that had, seemingly better technology than us in some ways um their culture was just vastly different but their but their technology was much better um and they were able to do things that were just beyond what we even understand about the understand things about the cosmos that we don't even understand there, um, but there they understood some, it. i'm sorry sorry there are some rocks in i can't remember what country it might be down in new mexico that is so large and shaped and was moved that we could not move that stone with modern technology. It's hundreds of tons. Like, so again, is that, but again, we historically tend to undersell ourselves as a society. Like we look at the pyramids and go, well, how can, you know, ancient aliens look at, and then a lot of prominent scientists have kind of proven that here's how we could do it. Here's how slave labor could make the pyramids or how a large body of work could make the pyramids. So, you know, it's a little bit of- There's still a debate about that. There's still a debate about whether or not it's actually- but yes, they, there have been people that have said but, that um, <clears throat> regardless of where you stand, I, I, 
you're right. Both, both are probably equal, not equally probable, but I mean, you have to look at what you know and what you have right. to work with and say that, okay, this is, is, is amazing as it may sound to be true. This is a higher probability of occurrence than this more ethereal thought. That's not to say you put a pin in that ethereal thought and hang it on a shelf and completely disregard it, but you kind of have to take from what you know and, and try to build a premise on top of that until somebody comes along with more evidence and a higher probability occurrence and shatters the, the previous preconceived notion about how things are done. But I, I say all that to say this and that to answer your initial question, my curiosity is what drives me. And the fact that uh, I get to be a selfish bastard. I, I moved a lot and every, well, this is going to sound like I'm putting myself up on the cross. My relationships <laughs> fell through. I never got married. I never had any children. So I've been very fortunate in the sense that to have the spare time that I have has been dedicated to having my nose in a book. And it's not for uh, yeah. any, any amount of intellectual superiority or you could say that there's a great quote about, I choose to use uh, intellectualism, the coping mechanism. I think that's what I do. I try to understand things, read about things. And when I'm curious, I go to the library, I grab as many books about it as I can. I read till I'm sick about it. And then I get inspired by something else. And I do the same thing over and over again. I admire that about you. Cause I, I mean, I, I have time, but you know, my lifestyle don't want to talk too much about it, but um, I can get, it can get pretty busy in right. my, with my life. Right. So it's, it's hard to, I mean, I do a lot of audiobooks because, because of that. Some of you we do what we do, what we can with the time that we have, my friend. But the best way to consume information is, is through reading. Hands down, yeah. there's nothing like it. Audiobooks are great to get information in, but you, but the, so there's something about reading um, that's just a much more intimate um, way of learning something. And I think that it sticks better. Much better. I think as, as, a, as an information medium for humans, it is very conducive to learning. Now, yeah, I still have to learn through application. Like I, I, I do pretty good with theory. I can read a book see a subject, kind of understand it theoretically, but my true comprehension comes in the applying of that knowledge. Like I could read right. how to tear apart a car, but until I do right. it, you know, there's a lot to be right. said for, for theoretical knowledge versus applied knowledge. That's why I think conversation, these conversations are important because there's, you know, nowadays there was so much stuff that people have read about and learned about. And myself personally, I've read a lot of things and heard a lot of things, but it's wasted knowledge because I have never had a chance to talk about it because most right. people don't want to hear it. But now with the way that media is, it's great to have conversations like this yeah. um, on a podcast. Mine's so. a muscle and it has to be exercised, man. So let's talk about something else related to this topic. Okay. Um, are you of the persuasion that the idea of anything supernatural is less likely um, to be an explanation for what people experience when they think they're experiencing something supernatural. I don't know why I put it in a convoluted way, but that's the best way I could think. No, From my no. mind, that's how I thought it. Um, or do you believe Do you believe that there is possibly something to, because people say, for example, um, summoning the dead or talking to the dead, psychic phenomena, right. extrasensory perception, astral projection, or as the military, this you know was was studying back, you know I think it was the seventies, um, remote viewing, right? Um, that was taken. That was a real phenomenon that they were genuinely using to get collect information, but they couldn't use it from what was told by the FBI. That people that have talked about it afterwards, people that were in the FBI that have come out and talked about it afterwards, they say that the the information couldn't be used because it wasn't necessarily verifiable, because you're talking about something you're divining information that you can't verify unless you're actually there 
Right. Um, so they, they scrapped it because it's, it's just not, it's useless, even though it was effective and it worked from what they said, it was, it was useless because they couldn't use that inf information for action as actionable intelligence right. from what they called it. I, I, I can give um, you a really simple answer to that question. I, I I believe in a natural world. And when I say natural world, I mean, I believe in a natural order of things that uh, I think that everything can be viewed through the scope of science. Now, what is science? Well, one would argue it's the art of weighing and measuring things. So there is art in science in that you can come up with a measure, a unit of measure, and that can be a hard and fast scientific method, but somebody had to create that unit of measure. So there is creation in science. However, when I hear of something phenomenal or extra phenomenal or something you know, otherworldly or ethereal or esoteric, my first inclination is to find a rational theory for its existence. Um, do, do, does that mean that there are extraordinary things that occur that are still inside the purview of the scientific method, but just yet undiscovered? Absolutely. Radio waves existed for all of lifetime before, you know, um, Zarconi created the radio. You know what I mean? Like we know that there are things in this universe that exist, you know, wormholes existed and, you know, we weren't the center of the universe. And these are all, you know, probably poor examples, but like. There was I, something, I an article I saw yesterday about a, about scientists who created multiple um dimensions of time they create they they observe particles in multiple dimensions of time or something like that i got yeah I by hitting with a laser or something like that yeah I yeah saw that too. and it's like well that's that's a big implication because that means that they are that, that they're at least at least theoretically and now i guess through through experimentation there are multiple dimensions of time there's really I, i've been reading a lot recently just out of morbid curiosity about the laws of thermodynamics and that's really at the center of a lot of what we think we know about the universe and space Doesn't time evolution travel. evolution go against the law of thermodynamics? Evolution, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, the first law of thermodynamics is that energy cannot be created or destroyed. That was really, really interesting. Right? It's still something I have a hard time wrapping my mind around. Matter cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change forms. Right. You know, so we are, but, but the second law of thermodynamics, and I'm going to butcher it, but where the hell? It's one I'm still wrapping my mind around laws of thermodynamics i was looking this up the other day and i went down the rabbit hole and was crossing my own eyes trying to figure it out um oh shit where are they forgive me i'm losing my mind and i'm taking up your precious time oh aren't we all losing our mind i right? there was something I, while you're doing that I, there was something i remember about thermodynamics that um i looked it up as well where you know the, the idea that because it, with evolution we are people believe theorize that Organisms are gaining new information, and the debate between evolution and creation has always been – it's been this, this clash between whether or not information can be created um, from – it can be gained, sorry, um, by genetic multiplying, by, by like by – by passing on through generations and generations. Every generation is essentially losing its, its genetic information. Every generation of human beings is losing um, information, which suggests that we actually used to be more genetically a previous ancestor of us, or our, our one of the whatever the first human beings were, had better DNA, had more information in the, in, it, in its DNA than we do today. Right. Because when you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy 
as Ken Hover says. And don't get me started. I'm not saying I like Ken Hover. I'm just saying he said that, and I and I, th- I thought that was interesting. Then your the copies become less and less. Um, uh, um, I guess the integrity of the of that copy it becomes less and less. It loses its integrity. But evolutionary it. biologists kind of think that that there is that degradation, but that degradation is of a more ancient genetic code and that evolution is filling in those kind of gaps where you know where there is a degradation in dna and it's just my rudimentary understanding of it again armchair listening to this podcast are probably screaming because i'm incorrect we're all pontificating what are you talking yeah, about yeah uh, i would like to go on record just to clarify yet again that i am not an expert on any of these subject matters but uh from uh-huh. what i from what i've understood is that, that that there is a degradation and breaking down of the genetic code but it's part of the evolutionary process is that is that some of that code breaks down you know, is that the breaking down of say things like um, uh, what's the organ that, that all humans have that we don't use anymore? The spleen is that is that a spleen, kind of a, yeah. a spleen situation? Is that uh, you know? Well, it, they say that the spleen is not it's not um, vestigial. That it is it does help process toxins in the body. Hmm. It's just that you don't need it to survive. Right. And so the idea I don't I don't agree. The, that's one argument that I don't because I'm I'm a we both have our completely different perspectives about about evolution and creation, right? Right. And I I'm always open to information. I mean, what if we what if we were created and then we evolved? What if what if aliens manipulated our genetics, which some people believe? And I don't mean just people like me. I mean real scientists in the scientific community um, believe that based off evidence that they they have researched that it's possible that we were genetically manipulated because of a leap in our intelligence. I mean, our brain development is, we were a lot, we were around for, I just heard a, a quote that human beings have been around for 200,000 years. Dinosaurs were around for millions of years, right. millions. I think it was hundreds of millions of years, I believe, 200 million years or whatever. I don't know how it was. It was, it was a lot, like tens of millions of years. And they stayed very animalistic. They didn't evolve. They didn't, as far as we, we know, um, they didn't evolve with the mental capacity, with the brain capacity that we did, nor did any other creature. And yet for 200,000 years, we've been here and look what we've, we have dominated all species on the planet. That's it doesn't necessarily there, make sense. That's hubris, bud. I'm not not your hubris. What I mean is that well, sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. I don't mean to. No. What do you What do you mean? I want to know what you mean by that. What do you mean by this statement being hubris? What do you mean? I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm just. I'm listening to these guys. I don't know any of this stuff. No. 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 What I mean is like, it's it's inherently human to think that we have dominated any part of the world or the universe. We are literally. You know, we are literally. You could say that evolution created a, a part of itself outside of itself in human consciousness. We're the only creature that we're aware of that has the, the, the sort of developed brain that can think of such esoteric and complicated thoughts and ideas. But when you look at evolution as a whole, evolution is about survival. It's not about creating intelligence, right? To your point, that could be part of That's, it. Yeah. But evolution is just about survival. So at some point in time, an evolutionary biologist would argue with you that it be it was imperative for mammalian survival for us to develop that very complicated prefrontal cortex so we could start understanding things like tool making and uh, getting out of the weather and clothing and animal husbandry and irrigation and and all those things. And then, you know, we became self-conscious and aware of our own mortality. So being the only creature that's aware of their own mortality, it would make sense that we create things like religion. So we had a place to go after our demise and so on and so forth. The, the theoretical perspective on dinosaurs, I would say, is that 
the state of the world of the of the planet was so rich at the time that there's these were just evolutionarily advantageous for those creatures not to evolve much further than they had at the time you know when you look at the thing that wiped out the dinosaurs the 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 what we think is a, a massive asteroid that landed down in yucatan given the size of where it hit the the ground and i don't know there's some sort of mineral in the ground or somewhere if it would have hit anywhere else it wouldn't have been as bad but where it hit it created that whatever minerals in the ground there was was ejected into the atmosphere and that may have caused multiple um the the impact may have caused multiple volcanoes to go off all this stuff gets spewed into the earth in the atmosphere we have a thousand or a hundred year winter which kills off all reptilians which are obviously warm-blooded and heated by the sun and then some right. little rat looking fucking mammal thing right. survives in the ashes of all that and then a hundred million years i have back pain and bills you know what i mean like it's wow, crazy <laughs> thing <about>. wow. <laughs> civilization at its finest but, but um what no, I'm, it's yeah I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean to keep you know, no, what were you gonna ideas. get at? Because I think you were gonna get you were finalizing your point there. My apologies. Is the thing that I both love and adore about human hubris in human is our intelligence, is that the intelligence predicates hubris. You know, it's a it's a cart before the horse sort of thing that in order for one to exist, the other has to exist. But like I am firmly of the opinion that unless we find a way to travel into outer space that someday will be the dinosaurs. I mean, it's just a, on a long enough timeline, all things survival rates drop to zero. But on a long enough timeline, anything ourselves. is possible. You know what I mean? So for ourselves. I think that, I think that the, it, it's looking more and more like the ultimate conclusion to humanity is our own or self-destruction. Right. And, and, and if you look Looks at the like history, you know, again, Earth's 4.5 billion years old. We've been here for 200,000. So if the entire calendar year if you were to put the entire existence of on earth onto a single calendar year, we've been here at midnight for the last five minutes before yeah. it clocks over the yeah, year. You know ridiculous. what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy to think about. Short, like so in that we are, you know, because we have, because we've created cars and words and computers and science. And, you know, like I said, I, I use this term all the time, chipped a few shards away from the stone pillar of reality <laughs> is our hubris that makes us believe that, you know, we are the ultimate being. It's the same thing that caused the, the early Christians to dictate that we were the center of the universe and that the entire world revolved around us. Like, I think that the, the cool thing I love about humans is that hubris, but I also love that we are able to be humbled and constantly reminded of how little we actually know of the world and the universe. You know, off that point, I, I think that, you know, a lot of people with respect to the UAP phenomena and aliens and whatever extraterrestrials and, um, a lot of people are upset with the fact that there has been um, such rejection of the data itself by scientists for so long that if this phenomenon that has now been as stated by, and I, and I think I understand what you're saying, that maybe this phenomenon isn't, isn't increasing, maybe we're just becoming more aware of it. Right. Um, however, according to pilots, and again, we have an increased presence in, in the oceans and our skies. So again, maybe it is not necessarily an increase in their presence, whatever they are. Maybe it's just something that we're now recognizing because we're, we're, we are technologically at a point where we're interacting, where we're able to interact with them um, as well. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do know that, that whatever it is, <clears throat> all humanity is dealing with it. The entire yeah. world. There is a couple of there are a couple of consistencies about the phenomenon. One of them is that every country 
including China and Russia, who are our biggest adversary. I mean, if they're going to do some damage, it'd be them. Right. Um, but not just China and Russia. Africa um, uh, is also experiencing this. A lot of things are happening in Brazil with the UAP phenomenon, strange things. It is a consistent um, – there, there are consistencies with the phenomena across the world right. with everybody. So it would be – if this phenomena has been around since the 40s, and again, the same phenomena that are being observed by the pilots that are not being talked by, about by a common citizen who uses reference of popular culture or whatever they've been, up, been brought up with, but by pilots who are trained to notice the difference between a, a weather phenomena, an illusion or a mirage, and an actual object that is that is invading airspace or that is a threat or whatever that they have to act on, they are saying that these phenomena are acting in ways that people have been saying they've been acting in ways for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And that's where my my you know the it is less likely that a civilization that is known on Earth that that a, a, whether I mean and when I say civilization I mean among us humans like Russia or China has had that technology because do you think for one moment that if Vladimir Putin had the technology to do what these objects were doing, that he wouldn't have dominated the world by now, or that if Nazis had it and understood it, because there's, there's theories about it and understood it and used it right, that they wouldn't have dominated the world with that technology or ad infinitum, any, any, anybody in the world, any superpower in this world or not super, maybe a lesser country would have dominated they're living. There are countries that are living in poverty. They wouldn't do that because they, if they had that technology. There, China wants dominance in certain areas, especially militarily. They wouldn't allow the United States for a hundred years or so to be as dominant as it is today militarily, if they had that technology. And nor would Russia. I mean, Russia. Look what they're doing with Ukraine. They're not going to just let us, if they had the technology. I think that given that 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 idea that. Whatever this phenomenon is, it has been interacting with us for hundreds of years, at least, at least. And the descriptions of what the Navy pilots are seeing are the same of, of the flight characteristics and the physical, the, the way they look and everything. They are exactly some of them. There are some that are not described by people in, in the past that, that are unique in their design. But there are some that are being described by pilots today and by people for thousands of years, exhibiting the exact same characteristics of flight patterns and so forth for thousands of years. And so if there is a civilization that has it on Earth that is terrestrial, it would only make sense that the that it would be either crypto-terrestrial, which is what you described earlier, the possibility of living on, in the Earth or that they're an ancient civilization that's just human or whatever, or that they are, there's something else. It can't be us. I, I, and I think that that, what's yeah. that? Go ahead, finish no, I, I just think that the implication of the phenomenon being around for so long, and yet we are, you know, we're flying planes with jet fuel, we're digging up oil from the earth, we're destroying our environment. I mean, we're it's crude, we're crude, we're a crude civilization, all of us, and we're right. all using the exact same technology. No one, no one civilization terrestrially is using technology that is any far, any in any way far away from the technology of the others. Well, not even America. I would respectfully disagree. In that, in that, um, okay. So you use the example of, of, you know, if China or Russia had to think they would dominate it. Well, if that was the case, wouldn't the same thing happen with nuclear weapons? Like if you look at how technology is developed, especially on a global level and the advanced time, they tend to develop in parallels. 
So if what if, do you mean? In that when we let's look let's look at nuclear power as a prime example. We split the atom in uh, in Roswell uh, in uh, not Roswell in uh, well I can't remember somewhere in the Nevada desert I can't remember the name of the place now. Right. Um, in the 1944, and uh, by 1940, Russia had the nuclear bomb, and then uh, you know they sold it to a bunch of other countries, and then you know here now we have it in a present situation. Right. What I mean is that all those technologies developed in rough parallel, and the reason why no one country is used it to dominate the other is mutually assured destruction, right? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. So let's make the supposition that if this technology is terrestrial, i.e. to us, and it's created in the same parallel that nuclear weapons are created in, like maybe America has right. a breakthrough, China steals that breakthrough, then Russia right. steals that breakthrough from China, and these craft that can now travel interdimensionally or travel into the oceans or travel through airspace, creating, you know, maybe it's the Lazar model of punching this hole through the universe. You know, again, maybe it's another mutually assured destruction situation that we all have the right. technology, and the only thing keeping us from the precipice is the fact that if one were to use it on the other, it would destroy the world as we all know it. So again, you I don't know it to be the case. Know? I'm sorry, I said it again. We, this is this is a good. I think this is a good a good debate because I'm. I, I, we're all curious, right? So, like, do you don't think that if someone had that technology, they would have it? I mean, for example, the the B two bomber. We didn't say that's not ours. I don't know what, whose it is. Knowing that it's ours, the B two bomber is actually a prime example. We had it for a decade before we released it to the. Yes, but this phenomenon has been around for minimum minimum at, um, of 80 years so if, if it 10 years and 80 year that's a massive difference like but when you say you phenomenon know, again, you're making a lot of supposition in comparison to what's happening now versus what's happened in the past like if a person can say i saw this craft and it looked like x and a person today can right. say i have this picture and it's all like x but it's not truly a one-to-one -one comparison we're running it all those people are running that information through the filter of their experience and there's no real hard facts that dictate that except for hearsay from a long ago past and video we now have from the footage of a dashboard of an f-18 and now we're inserting our opinion into the latter past and go well that sounds a lot familiar to what's happening now they must be one and the same they must be paralleled is it's it, causation is not is not correlation is not causality correlation. you know what i mean like Do you, you don't think that it's you don't think that it's notable that there's a phenomena that resembles almost exactly a phenomena that has been described in ancient texts Oh, Not in I, every way. I think it way. creates like, a lot of curious questions. Uh, however, I think you have to be careful stating irreversible facts it. like it is absolutely yeah. one and the same thing. Is that yeah. we can say, okay, this raises some very. This is me, not for you. We need people no. that have all different perspectives on this. It's that yes, you have to be really careful when you want something to be true so badly that you start shoehorning in facts to fit your thesis yeah and and that is you know that's true you know what did what did the there's a great, great quote by sherlock holmes that if you make up your mind before you have all the information you irrevocably right. start making the information to fit your preconceived supposition versus letting yes. the information dictate what you actually what the, the actual truth is now right we're all guilty of that <laughs> by 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 teaspoons or by gallons right so right. you know all these things raise really, really interesting questions. There's definitely something out there. I definitely agree that these things that we're seeing are some form of technology beyond our current comprehension. However, that's really all I know right now. And everything else is supposition and conjecture.
You know what I mean? So I want to be careful that I don't make up my mind about it because it may skew my perspective on really good information that may come down the pike later and change my perspective on what's going on. Right. I think I understand. I think that your perspective is very similar to maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a, a, a denier. He's not even you're I think you're more skeptical than he is because you're definitely more open-minded about the about all this. Right. However, it's it's likened to him only in a way because I don't like his perspective. I do like yours. I think yours is object it's objective and it's also it's logical. It makes sense. What he does, however, is he says if we don't have it in our hands and we can't observe it, we don't know what it is. Right. And so it could be a random phenomenon that's not anything special. It could be nothing. It could be a weather phenomenon. It could just be a, an illusion that we're all experiencing somehow for some reason that these pilots are experiencing because of their whatever. It could be a lot of different things. But to ascribe it of anything, especially aliens, is ludicrous. <clears throat> and I know, and again, I... You are not Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't like. No, it. believe I, I me. I wish I had some mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say this. I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think he's an incredible science uh, scientist. I think he's an incredible physicist, and I think, in particular, he's done wonders for making in the modern era. He is the yeah. Einstein of his era in making science cool and relatable and getting it out in front of people. That's his. That's you know, his that's his shtick. Is that that we may not, you and I both may not agree with all things that he says, but there's one thing that is irrevocably true about Neil deGrasse Tyson is that he wants people to be smarter, better, more scientifically minded. And I don't think anything bad comes from that. However, you know, I think that the world needs people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and that I don't necessarily agree with him. He is more brilliant than I will ever be. He has more intelligence in his pinky finger than I do in my entire body. Yeah, I'll never be that smart. But the world needs people like him and he has some really good, he has this great bar about, and I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I get mad when people create these extraterrestrial phenomenal things when right. the natural world is already so amazing that it detracts away from the beauty and the majesty and the amazingness of what we actually know about the material world, about things that are irrevocably true and to have those kind of sort of conversations distracts from the point of we should be focused on the amazing things that we know and building upon that versus making the suppositions about this world that we don't claim to understand. Now, I disagree with that to a certain extent, but I respect right. the opinion. Let me tell you why I am leaning more towards the idea of extraterrestrial or extra dimensional, interdimensional, yeah. whatever. Um, also, I am considering the possibility of crypto terrestrial or a combination of all these things. Right. Because again, people that have had direct, um, that are directly involved with the intelligence data that we are not allowed to see, that are that's classified, um, that have been confirmed as reliable sources by even people that don't want them to talk. Right. So that's a. I think that's telling. It's like if you have an enemy and they're like, yeah, you know, they're talking all this stuff about things you don't want them to know, but you're like, yeah, they're they're credible though. It's even though you hate them, you you still can't deny that they're they're credible and that what they're saying is is legit and that if they're if they're talking about these things could lead to legal action against them it's it it could ruin their whole life they're doing these things again like louis elizondo um they're talking about these things openly and publicly and very very like you know very strong on the on the idea that these are not they're not human so for me if i hear this if i get enough that makes me feel like this source is credible like for example louis elizondo um 
or Bob Lazar, of course, is the biggest one for the UFO community. But I mean, like somebody like that's part of the government that has been part of a pro- that's it. That's you're talking about a bombshell, a guy that ran a program by the Pentagon that's that they didn't want anybody to know looking into UAPs and they come to find out they're not human because they're not that they think that they're not human and that they have they have possession of this technology um, because he says they have possession of the technology. They have some which right. Bob Lazar has already admitted to decades ago, but now it's being admitted by someone that worked on a program for the DOD and the Pentagon. It's no longer conjecture or um, or just fanciful talking about some phenomena that we wish is something. It's something that's really being investigated as a possibility of, of something other than human. And then you have something else that's interesting. You have Tom DeLong, who's been claiming some really bizarre stuff about the it is 100% extraterrestrial or dimensional he says it's interdimensional it's not extraterrestrial but they're from another dimension and that he spoke to a general um in the hillary camp in the hillary clinton um administration or in the clinton administration um about declassifying and 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 disclosure not hey there's a something out there that we don't understand disclosure like hey guys there's aliens there's another being that's not us and they're interacting with human race disclosure and when Hillary Clinton's emails got hacked after Donald Trump told Russia to do it the day after, um, I'm not talking about the the whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Right. It happened. There was communication between Tom DeLong and the general and in Hillary Clinton campaign about disclosure that was released during those those um those leaked emails from Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that's man, a, I mean that's a pretty freaking like, wait a minute, what? Like, you, you got you can't, that has to at least be very curious because if there's a disinformation campaign, this is beyond what's the what's the motive? What what are you hiding? I mean, we've got nukes. What else could you be? We got we got planes and we have all this technology. What could we possibly be hiding? That there would be a there would need to be a disinformation campaign this intricate and f- Going far back again, you'd have to have you'd have to have made these this phenomena a reality decades ago, um, and been a part of the phenomena decades ago. Because again, it's it's not just looking through the lens of today's experiences and then saying, well, because I I see a phenomena doing A, B, and C, maybe this phenomena in the past is doing A, B, and C. In some cases, Drew, there is a one to one, and and I want your I want you to be skeptical. I'm not I'm not I I want you to really look at think about what I'm saying because maybe I'm not looking at it right. In some cases, however, there is a one-to-one um, with the experience, with the phenomena. And I say phenomena because I don't know what else to call it, and it's universally accepted as a phenomena. But I mean the flying objects that glow in the dark or glow in the daytime, and they disappear. They literally blink out of – they're not moving fast. Sometimes they just blink out. Right. They turn into a light, and they just blink out. That's not – you're talking about magic. I mean they're, they're performing magic. Like you, you, what plane can just disappear? Not go off radar like we have now that we've been hiding for so long, trying to hide and get a little bit better. Like some of the, like the pilots, the Navy pilots say, like David Fravor says, we spend billions of dollars just to get a little bit better than the other other countries, spending billions on just a little bit better in one way. These objects are just yeah, but but like, ahead of us. If you took your cell phone back uh, even sixty years and showed it to somebody, what what would they call it? Magic. Magic. I'm not saying that it is magic. I'm saying that they're performing in ways that seem like magic, which means that their technology is so advanced, we can't even under, we can't fathom it. But that's my point is that technology has come so far just in the last 60 years that our great grandfather wouldn't be able to understand how a computer works. 
And like tech, that's what technology does. It expounds and it grows upon itself. And, and over a very short period of time, it's a compounding group of technological advancements where things can happen so fast and make such massive leaps that to a person just a few generations before, it seems so fantastic. Like it can magic. appear to be magic. So again, I'm not, I'm not negating what you're saying. I desperately want these things to be true, Marquise. I just want to, I want to, I want to, as much as I sound like I'm the old yeah. guy at the keg rating and railing about how none of this is true, that's not the case. No. The, the, the person, the, the sci-fi geek in me and the scientist in me and the hopeful for the human race person in me wants all these things to be true. I just want to be very careful in that, you know, we have to be careful to state things as a revocable fact when, you know, right. until true facts, if, I mean, what do we really have that factually proves these things that we're discussing? We have video. Well, we have, we have a lot of, now we have a lot more video and picture evidence. Okay. Um, we have a lot of witness testimony. So the last kind of go back to the, cause I know you got, you're short for time. So let's kind of hurry this up. Um, so I don't lose you and I don't lose any of the content that I want. I want to kind of get out of you, squeeze out of you here. Um, two questions, final questions. What do you make of, you know, I, I know that you said that you think that there is a, there should be a skepticism applied to some of these people that are talking about having information about this technology and that they claim that they make all these claims, these extravagant claims about what they might be, whether alien or whether extra dimensional or so on and so forth. Um, and when they can't give us any, anything that's going to verify this information, these, these claims, um, I understand that. And I, and I accept that because I think that is exactly how you should be. I take the position of trusting these people because of my own personal selfish, you know, desires right. about what the, what I want the phenomenon to be. I will admit that upfront. Um, hey, listen. however, what's up? No, I just like the fact that you can be on. I mean, I, we, we all, I, I think the, the easiest way to get to an honest conversation between two people is for both people to go like, Hey, these are the things I know about me and why I want to believe these things. And, and, and that's where real honest conversation occurs. And like, Hey, yeah, man. I realize my, I realize my flaws and all, which is why I talk about them constantly because I don't claim to be an expert on any of these things. And it's merely an opinion, but I desperately want a lot of these things to be true. And in doing so they can skew my opinion and perspective. You know, I'm the first person to admit my own biases as well. So respect. My, I'm, I will. I have no problem admitting I have a complete and it's massive bias about this about this topic. <laughs> um, I believe there. I believe it's something. I believe yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. We'll get into that in another podcast. Um, so my question is to you: Is what do you think about what about them? About the about if their claims are true, if they're telling the truth. Okay. Okay. Then what do you what do you think about that if it's true? And the second question, if we don't forget this, because we both have terrible memories, um, especially short term, what do you think the would? What do you think it would take, aside from a, a or sorry, let, let's let's back this up. Why do you think it is, if it is human, that mm -hmm. this technology has been kept from us for so long, um, that it's been hidden? And I know you said you think it's because of the the idea of nukes, right? But these objects are disabling nuclear. This this is a recorded um, mount from Air Force Air Force Base, I believe, is where they these there was a glowing object that was a red right. glowing object that was in front of the gates, and it shut down nuclear warheads one after the other after the other systematically, which means it it somehow was able to access 
which is impossible, according to the people that work, the, the engineers that work there, it's impossible right. to happen. They accessed it remotely without being connected physically to this technology and shut down the nukes and, and, um, and just took off. Nobody could do anything about it. Right. And they're also turning them on in Russia. In Russia, they did, they did the exact opposite. They turned the nukes on. Same thing, an object appeared, turned their nukes on, and then they stopped and then took off. What, what do you, if, if it's happening with the US and with Russia, and again, big superpowers, right? Well, who do you think? It, I mean, what do you well, think? It, what do you think this phenomenon might be if it's able to do something that is interacting with real physical technology, but it's it's performing in ways that are beyond what we can understand? What do you think about that? I mean, if we're gonna go to limb and, and let's make the make the assumption that these things are hard and fast, real that they're hard and fast, some form of advanced culture with something intelligent and biological biological driving it. You know, okay, that brings up a whole new set of suppositions in that you have to consider what we know of. Yeah, again, we're framing, I'm still framing a lot of this through what I know of mankind. What, and what else of, do you think it could be though? Let's say, let's, let's not, let's not do that supposition because I'm, I'm curious about not, that's what I think. Right. What, if you don't think that it's intelligently controlled by a being. I do think that it, it, it is intelligent, advanced technology. That's okay. as much as I claim that's, to think. Let's I know. establish that. Yeah, that's Who as much as I claim to know. Might be. Do you think I don't, that it might be humans? I I think that statistically, there's a higher probability that it's us than something more astronomical than that. Personally, why? Because I have to take from what I know. I have to pull from the knowledge that I know, and I have to look at the statistical probability. If I'm doing a completely cold and calculating estimation, I have to okay. take from what I know. And that there is a much higher statistical probability that it's some advanced form of our own technology than it is something more extraterrestrial or inter interdimensional. Not to say that those are both right. not probabilities. They're just less statistical probabilities in less, my mind's okay. equation on the subject. Okay. And then another question based off that right there. If the probability from your perspective, and this is, there's a reason why I'm asking these questions because it's, I want the opposition to the to the affirmative is important to understand. You can't just be closed-minded. You got we got even the open-minded need to be open-minded. Right. So, and what I you know what I mean by people that believe in anything, all kinds of things, they still need to be open to the possibility that they may be wrong. Right. So, no, with that information, how you develop your your perspective about the the the, the phenomena, if it is ours, statistically from your perspective. Why, why has no one claimed it and why is anyone using it for anything more than just playing around with every, all the countries in the world's techno, um, uh, military I, capabilities? I, I would say it's for the same reason that man has always kept its technologies from the rest of the, from the rest of mankind. We've used them though. We have used them. Well, but no, but my point is, is more on a deeper psychological level is that, that every time that there's an advancement, there tends to be uh a collection of that advancement towards the top of society, meaning that the, the 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 marginal percentages that have the majority of the wealth and the power tend to hoard those things and keep them for their own selfish interests. So it, it, right. to take what I know of mankind, if that technology were to be ours, and right. that, you know, and again, these are big suppositions, then in all probability, if they are ours, they're controlled by a very small percentage of people and that they use these technologies in any way, shape, or form to, in all probability, 
control, collect, and advance their own uh, narrative. You know what I mean? It's it's a matter of to let these people know, to let us know we have this technology. You know, these technologies open up a lot of broader things that could help everyday people. If if we can travel right. through space and time from point A to point B, and every man has that ability, then it that's opens just one up, aspect of it, right? Right. It gives a lot of power to the common man, and, and that's right. what advancements in technology have always done. It's given the lowest common denominator access to to cheap food, to baby formula, to advanced healthcare. Right. And when you have all these things. And beyond, you right? can even do a cold and really shitty calculation that goes something along these lines: that if 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 the population on Earth continues to head in the direction that it is over the next couple hundred years or thousand years, there's a pretty good probability that we're going to exhaust all natural resources on this planet, which is eventually going to right. lead to our distinction. One could make the supposition that if there continues to be the advancement of technology that continues to allow for the be fruitful and multiply aspect of humankind, right. it could exacerbate that looming problem. Um, and that might be another reason why the powerful are reticent to share too much right. technology with the plebs that there, we, we, there could be more of us, more of us to manage, uh, you know, what it uh, makes sense. I, I want to, I've, I've got a question based off of that, um, that thought. Would it make sense that there is, let's just assume that it's whether it's an elite group of people or just a very secret organization or a group of human beings that have this technology, somehow they've developed it. We're, we're going to just go with that and that they've collected resources that because people that have interacted with some of the material that have been left behind by this technology say that it's, it's, it's the, that the material itself isn't terrestrial. Let's say they got a hold of a piece of space rock. And they found out this space rock could do the things that these objects were doing. They created it and so on and so forth, whatever. Right. And that they're doing it. Would it make sense that they are willing to allow the human race to be destroyed by itself so that they themselves could survive the destruction of it and then continue a civilization afterwards with a smaller population to control? I mean, it seems like it would be the long way around, wouldn't it? Like if you can travel the whole That's way through space thinking. and time, right. wouldn't it be sufficient to say you could create a biological virus that would wipe us all out and then that would be done and you'd have access to all the resources on the planet? Which is why finito, I'm, nito, I'm finito. so confused. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm personally, I'm, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get some clarification for myself because I, to you, it makes perfect sense. I'm trying to understand what would be the motivation of when I say entity, I mean human being or otherwise, an entity right. having this technology and keeping it from the human race. Well, if it's, um, if it's interdimensional or if it's, if it's extra dimensional, then it would appear at least on the face value of it that their intention is not nefarious. Because if that were to be the case, you think something, right. you know, if they can turn nukes off and on at their whim, then, uh, okay, let's say they don't even need to collect resources. They? Yeah, why haven't they right. just, hey, uh, you know, all it would take is for them to turn on a couple nukes in Russia, send them our way, we send 20 back, and that's the end of mankind as we know it there. So, you know, we can, again, using the law of statistical probability, we can take, uh, we, by just making a few presumptions, we could say if they're here and that technology is real and they're interdimensional, extra-dimensional, then it's suffice to say that their, their intent is not nefarious. We can make further suppositions by saying if they are interdimensional then for lack of better terminology if they're the world next door have they intruded onto our plane to prevent us from making the mistakes that they made you know and by right. by by exposing themselves to us does that pull the curtain back and make it harder for them to achieve that end if they know 
oh, well, there's the world next door and we have all these wonderful technologies that you don't have. And we'd spend so much time focusing on that, that we might miss the plot that we're destroying the earth and these things need to happen in a condensed time frame. We need to stop burning fossil fuels and blah, 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 blah. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's. Um, what if it's, what if they are us from the future? What if they're time travelers? I, I don't, I, I, on the law of statistical probability, I was thinking of that when we were talking about it earlier, but like, again, as far as what we know, time travel is impossible. It defeats the second law of thermodynamics that, uh, that, okay. You know, but again, again, that's that's that is Einsteinian physics, and as we've proven, just like Galilean physics were proven to be incorrect, you know, there's this there's this advancement leap in what we know of physics in the universe. So much like, you know, uh, it wasn't Galileo who 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 did the gravity, the an object that motion tends to stay in motion. Was that Galileo? No, Newton, Newtonian, Newton, Newton, yeah, Isaac Newton. We had we had Newtonian physics, and then there that was kind of frog leaf by Einsteinian physics, and I'm sure that that Einsteinian physics is now kind of being chipped away at by things like uh, string theory, or not string theory, but um, um, oh my god, um, oh, I can't think of it all. Quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics. Thank you very much. Right. Like the, the the idea that. That, that matter can exist in two simultaneous states throws a lot right. of Einsteinian particles out, yeah. the, out the window. So, you know, does that yeah. lead to um, time travel? Absolutely. If there is time travel, then at least from my piss poor understanding of, right. of what was the science you just mentioned that I can't remember? Quantum mechanics. Uh, my understanding of quantum mechanics that if time travel were possible and you were to go back in time to right. fix something or send a message or do something you would not arrive back in the same future that that would create a tangent in time and space and create an alternate a reality or yeah. that thing yeah. is true and what you know is still true regardless of that well of you putting your finger in the in the dam of time and creating another stream you know what i mean like so that again this a is a whole level man, of supposition yeah, that can lead us way down the rabbit of, hole you know what i mean but like uh, we don't even have enough time for i wish we had the time to just go into all of it at one time um, I, I think that we, you know, we'd be here for 10 hours if we had that, that possibility, but we, unfortunately, we can do time the, is limited. We can, we can finish this, this last recording time and I should be good after this. So, uh, okay, I great, gotta, great. yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, Bonus you know, time. thank you. Hey dude, I, I enjoy these conversations. Um, you know, you, you raised some really interesting points about, I like where your head's at. Those are really inquisitive things to think about. And what I mean is like, if these things are what you think they are, what must the nature of these things be? And uh, if they are us from a different dimension, then that that's a whole series of questions. If they are interdimensional, right. then that's a whole series of questions. If they're time right. travelers, that's a whole series of questions. If they are extra dimensional, that's a whole different series of questions. You know what I mean? Like each supposition has this long laundry list of further suppositions that have to be made predicated upon the initial one you know what i mean like that's where the right. rabbit hole goes you know i i say you all that it, i'm sorry Gabe. no i want to hear your i want to hear that thought finish because i have some more questions since i have I, a little bit more time i say let's say this and that and i guess that was the point i was trying to make when we were kind of talking back and forth and hashing out the whole probability versus unprobability is that once you make one supposition it becomes a a lot easier to make dozens of other suppositions predicated right. upon the initial one. And if the initial one's even off by a fraction, then that makes a lot of the ones downstream null and void, which is why I'm always so skeptical to start from a place beyond fact, because 
I know that if the if the initial information I'm using to make my decision upon is flawed, then I'm making a lot of other incorrect decisions further on down the line from that initial, you know, kind of uh, epiphany. So I, I try to be skeptical as possible. I try to know as much as possible. And I'm still an ignorant, ignorant wretch when it comes to all these things. So uh, aren't are we all no one no one man has is is an island in and of himself we all depend on each other for to get a complete picture and we still don't know what's going on takes so, a village man um, takes a village yeah there is a there is a man named a, a pilot he was a he was a pilot his name was ryan graves i just I had to pull him up here real quick he was on the lex friedman show last week and um just like david fravor he talked about he and now this man is Highly credentialed. I, I have to go on his page to check out his credentials here, but for the sake of time, sorry, we'll have to put it in the notes. Um, but if you go on the Lex Friedman show, I'll put that in the notes into the uh, notes as well. Um, right the, there's a there's a two hour talk with this man, and he describes some some activity with the phenomena that is, to me, it's telling. Um, and he talks about his perspective and how. All like a lot of pilots are changing their belief and whether or not we're alone because of the phenomena, which means if you were to see something, for example, if I were to, if me and you were to see a light in the sky, personally, I'd be like, I don't know if it's a plane, if it's a, a satellite blinking or if it's a drone, because one time I saw a drone locally and I was like, what is that? It's just lights. It was a light and it was hovering and it went by, slowly went behind the tree line. And I was like, that's weird. And then on Facebook, everybody heard about it come to find out somebody has a drone and they do it all the time right i was like oh cool that's cool um i'll keep that in mind in the future if i ever see something like that again i'll be way more skeptical of what it is i've never seen a ufo other than than a couple experiences that i don't want to talk about at the moment right so but when a when a trained person says that it that the interaction with this these objects changes their perspective about humanity being alone in the universe that's an interesting that's an interest to me It'd be like if Neil deGrasse Tyson said, I saw something, you know, in the cosmos that makes me that it, it's I'm almost certain now um, that aliens exist. Like, what did you see? Like, and for him to describe that to us, it's just a bunch of abstract mathematical equations and so forth. But to him, it's pure clarity about the about the possibility. That to me is what I see when I hear these pilots talk about their experience and how it's affected them and their and their peers. Well, um, they're expert the, trained peers. It, I'm just curious, what do you think about like, because I know you said earlier, you, you keep mentioning, and I think it's important to have this perspective as well, that y y people may be given in misinformation, or they may be given, um, or that the phenomenon might be us or whatever. But the best of us are saying that it's not us. NASA is saying that it's not us. I mean, um, and NASA, if there's nothing more globally or internationally, um, internationally, uh, I guess investigating the cosmos as NASA. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty big, uh, a big acknowledgement by that organization to say that they that it's not us. Well, they don't I mean, know who's it I, is. I'll say one thing: we have to be careful on how much we hang on the theory of experts. You know, and, and that's what that's the skeptical part of me. There are definitely experts, but even claimed experts and proven experts, I tend to take with a grain of salt because nobody can know all things and nobody can sure be sure of all things. Of and, yeah. And, and, you know, it's the same experts in the fifties that told us it's okay 
if we irradiate your food with gamma rays because it pre prevents them from having mold growing on them like oh you know you know so yeah. like those were experts at the time you know what i mean like you just have to be careful on how much credence you put on an expert really opinion because they only know what they know and they're only filtering it through their through their filter of perception and they may have 95 percent of it spot on correct but if that five percent is off then that supposition theory i came back to earlier comes into effect but I also wonder the adverse of that, to your point, what must the nature of such an experience be that if you saw something so phenomenal, otherworldly, trippy, esoteric, insane, amazing, that nobody believed you, i.e. these people that have visions of, you know, the Virgin Mary or that have been abducted right. by aliens or have seen Bigfoot and they're absolutely sure that it occurred. And if it did occur, well, I feel bad for those people because it would be really hard to go around your whole life thinking that you're crazy when you had a real experience, you know, and I, I don't know what the nature of such an experience would be never having had one myself. You know, I've had right. visions, but that was usually, you know, chemically aided. But um, <laughs> haven't we all? But uh, uh, you're but, not alone. Right. <laughs> but Many uh, in the world are. I still, even in that altered state, knew what I was seeing was a figment of my mind and not a, a physical hallucination. And, you know, and even that was powerful in its own way. So, right. you know, having, and, you know and having experimented with some hallucinogenic drugs as a younger man, you know, it's opened up my mind in such a way that I'm a little bit more open to things that, you know, the world behind the world, if you will. So these people right. that see and experience these things or claim to have seen and experienced these things, you know, what must it be like to be those people, you know, and that's tough. And, and, I, and I don't claim to know because, you know, people like me who are very not cynical, but um, um, what's the heavily term? skeptical, heavily skeptical. Yeah. Skeptical. And, yeah. I think that's just a questioner. Just a, I don't take anything right. at face value. Somebody says X happened. Well, I'm going to confirm that X happened, at least to satiate to the point of my own curiosity where I can let it go. So that's not to say that that when I say, well, this is true, that makes it true. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the lesson that I've had to learn is that no badly, no matter how badly I want something to be or want something to change, or I'll even use it as like to love somebody. When you love somebody and you convince yourself, especially when you're like a young man, like I love this person, yeah. this has to be yeah. it, this has to be real, this has to be the thing. And then they I've hurt you. There. Oh boy, man, that's a hard lesson to learn as a young man. I'm sure as world. a young woman, right? So but at the time you are so sure that love is real and right. exists and you make all these suppositions predicated upon the back of it that, you know, I'll, I'll use that same theory to describe how awful it must be to a person who has experienced something like seeing a UFO or witnessing something extraterrestrial or, or other dimensional or having a vision and it actually having happened and trying to explain that to people because you're so sure that it occurred, but the rest of the world's like, ah, I don't know, bro. Like it seems kind of fishy well, to me. Like, do you know the story of Benny, Betty and Barney Hill? Are they the two people from the 50s that got abducted? Yep. Black, yeah, black yeah, man yeah. and white woman in the 50s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, there, here's, the, here's the thing about, to, in my opinion, this is how I, how I see it. Black man and a white woman in the 50s. Come on. Um, first of all, I'm surprised they didn't, they didn't get murdered for even talking, for being together. Secondly, it was, it was that story, that, that abduction story that they told is, again, it's a global phenomenon. Because the abduction experience is real. 
not that they, that I can't say that they're being abducted by aliens. I'm saying that there is an experience that people across the world are experiencing that is the same. It is the same. Um, and there is a, an element of manipulating perception of reality to the phenomena right. as well. That whatever this experience is, something is manipulating the perception of the recipient or the experiencer or the abductee or whatever it may be, whatever you want to call it. Um, somebody's manipulating the perception of these people. <clears throat> Of reality, because the, you, you hear people say, "Oh, I floated through the through the ceiling, and I, I didn't even there was no door. There was it just I just went right through the ceiling, or that I went right through the front door, or that these beings came in." And it's consistent across all nations, not governments. People, people yeah. are experiencing this phenomena. But like, um, sure, good. No, well, in comparison, you know, if if a if a bio, if a if a marine biologist sees a fish one time. And right. says it's the first time we've ever we've ever seen this whatever new creature, and they, and they write a thesis about it, and whatever and whatever. They have more credibility than millions of people across the world that are talking about experiences, consistent experiences, with sometimes biological evidence of the of something, which the Pentagon um, they actually released that that two hundred plus page document. Uh, about the phenomena and that there are there is a biological effect on humans when interacting with the technology now there there is an admission that the technology does affect our biology and people have been saying that through the abduction phenomenon across the world that they've been experiencing biological effects because of it before it was ever admitted by the by the military right what do you think i mean what do you think about something like that i'm i'm just because again my perspective is 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 clouded i should say guided not clouded it's guided and it's inspired by my experience, Drew. And uh, off, ca off, off camera and off, off chat, I I'd like to talk to you about that uh, quickly if you have, if we have the time, if not another time, right. um, to give you some some idea of why why I have a more um, why I lean one way more so than the other. But there are a lot of people that talk about it, a lot millions across the world that have been put under hypnosis by psychologists who don't believe them, but then believe that their experience was real. Whatever they experienced, it was all it was as if it was a real experience. It wasn't like a, a yeah, dream. Man, it was real. I mean, this is where maybe some of my personal experience comes into play. Like, uh, uh, I'll give an example. Uh, if you read anything about like ayahuasca or DMT, these people that take, I don't I hate to sound like fucking Joe Rogan when I say this. Um, you ever taken DMT, man? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just fucking with you. I know we had that <laughs> before. Um, uh, I, but I mean this as an example. Uh, if, you, if you've ever read recounts of people that have taken dmt they almost all have the similar experience to a t you know anybody that's taken heavy doses of ayahuasca almost all have the similar experience to a t they've never talked to one another they've never shared any information they have no historical background with one another except for their biology and maybe these chemicals right. create the same biological um, but, um yeah. experience in all people but if you were to give those same chemicals to somebody who was not prepared for it or did not understand it or was unaware that they were taking it and they were to have that experience, how would they describe that? Would they describe it as real? Because it would technically be real to them. And then seeing right, that yeah. and experiencing it, they could easily sell it to a group of people as is a extraterrestrial experience, as an out-of-body experience, as a vision and it, and it could be and it would correlate to hundreds of other stories 
but to them, right. it's not a chemical experience. It was a religious or scientific or other worldly or out of body experience. And they might go out and describe it in a false way that, that, that necessarily didn't back up what actually happened. Okay, you know what I'm one saying? second, hold, hold that thought because I want to, I want to, I want to kind of, I want to follow that thought right there. Um, my question then would be at what point at what would be the body of evidence that someone would need because witness people go to prison for the for the rest of their life because of witness testimony and dreams don't count dreams are not a they're, they're, they'll never i had a dream and so you know nobody's going to go off that evidence so i'm not saying that because the phenomena is in a way it's it's such a it's so hard to to describe to somebody that's not experienced it um, to them, it's it. They think that it might be a hallucination or a dream or or something else, and not a real experience. So I'm not comparing necessarily th those together, but I, I I do think that there is enough. Um, and again, I'm I am I am admitting my perspective, my bias. Mm -hmm. I do think that the phenomena is is notable, and I think that it's real. Um, and the reason I think it's real is because too many people, too many people are describing from different cultures. They have completely different cultures about what these beings, what these beings, quote unquote, are, are seeing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, on a hallucinogen, right? Like if you go to the you go to the indigenous population, they say, here, take this mushroom. It'll help you see God. You take it and all of a sudden you have this weird experience. You're like, wow, I saw this colorful thing, whatever. There is a, there is a bit of consistency among that experience of hallucinogenics, but there's a lot of diversity of like a, a massive amount of diversity when it comes to, to the subjective experience of the, of the experiencer. Okay. There is not the same level of difference of diversity among um, abductees. It is extremely consistent. It's it's actually kind of bizarre how consistent it is because just like you're saying, it sh if it's not going along um, terrestrial understand or I should say more carnal understandings or or human understanding and perception, it does not make sense that people from different cultures are seeing something so similar in a way that they can't that's unprovable as well that is as bizarre as the abduction phenomena. It doesn't make sense. Because what we should see, what we should see is what we see in the hallucinogenic um, experiencers. We should be seeing those kinds of, of experiences and, and the explanations and the diversity. And I saw a green, you know, toy come up to me and talk and say, hey, come with me, buddy. And I went to Toyland. We should be seeing stuff like weird things like that. We shouldn't be seeing the consistency of the beings and the experiments and the take it through the walls I, and seeing be we should not. It's odd. It's actually really odd and bizarre. Um, and it doesn't make sense that it's that consistent. I was using that. I wasn't trying to suppose that these people claiming abduction were having hallucinogenic experiences. As much as I was saying, I was using it as an example, as, a, as like a thought experiment to say, you know, if people are having these shared experiences without any chemical or factual understanding to prove that they are true or untrue, then there's secondhand stories that we just are not entirely sure of if the message is being the meaning is being lost in the message you know what i mean like in in that book i recommended that amusing ourselves to death that yeah. Neil postman book right. you know the whole book is about how we derive different meanings and different truths from different forms of communication right you know, an oral statement is different than a written statement in that an oral statement is a story between two people. But when it is then written down, 
it is then reread and scrutinized and proven or disproven. That's a lot harder in an oral tradition, right? Uh, it's right. also hard. There's no inflection in the written word. There's no meaning yep. to be to be inflected upon. There's no point to Which drive in on. Right. It, <laughs> it was both dangerous and good in the sense that you take your own opinion of it and read it instead of somebody, you know, if you were to read, if you were to watch a politician up on stage, talk about his platform, you would be inspired or driven mad by it, probably by how the way right. he talks. If you were to take that same speech right. and put it in a written form, you would maybe just look at it with a much more clinical detachment because you don't feel like it's being sold to you. That's very interesting. You know what I mean? That is so, so wow. <laughs> That's interesting because you're right. Like if you listen to Donald Trump speaking, he inspires his his base in a way that it, it's unseen. It's 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 actually phenomenal how he's able to inspire people. But if you read it, it looks like somebody left their phone on the auto text. <laughs> looks like somebody it's put their like, phone on not, yeah. yeah, it's just uh, much different. Like it's it's a phenom I think that's a phenomenon in and of itself. How to how does you know what's that? You're that is so interesting that you bring that up, man. Because yeah, I don't. I, please tell me where you're going with that. I want. I'm curious as to what the conclusion of this thought is. My point is, is that these experiences that these people are seeing and given the current state of the world and media and internet and everything like that, yes, it was experienced to your point for hundreds of years, you know, each one of those experiences were, were transcribed in different forms of communication. Some of them were oral right. tradition handed down. Some of them were paintings. Some of them were music and stories. Some of them were written in 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 history now they're captured in picture and video and each one of them kind of has each medium of communication has its own skew it places upon that information and in doing so it makes it easier for us sometimes to shoehorn it all under one meaning and and i think that all of those could have totally different meanings under totally different contexts and totally different times but we always again we've had this discussion before we're all prisoners of the present transitioning ever from the past into the future and we cannot help but take our preconceived notions of what we know of right now, and they affect our purview on the past. So these, these things we think we know of history that either seem horrible or amazing at the time could have been something totally different even 100 years ago to the same people, the same biological people, you know? So... Can you see my screen? Yes, I can see your screen. Well, okay. it says, oh, there we go. Okay, yes, I can see this. Okay. Okay, cool. I wanted to bring this up real quick because I am curious. These are these are ancient depictions of, and I looked it up. I literally typed in ancient depictions of UFOs just for the sake of, of being doing this easy as possible. There are quite a few depictions of beings, for example, with the large, you know, black eyes and um, there are depictions of like, oh, I can't, this isn't going to come up bigger, but like of objects that are in the skies um, that look like discs and are flying. There's a gray alien looking creature right here, literally looks like a gray alien. And um, there are depictions, uh, there are accounts of ancient people talking about how their gods came down and gave them knowledge about space that we today are just now discovering. Um, and and the and the question is how were they able to how are they the Mayans how how could they possibly know about the cosmos as much as they did it it's bizarre because we didn't even know about some of the things that they've known about for again thousands of years we're talking we about be, sorry go ahead. no go ahead I'm sorry sorry well 
again, it, it's it's a cart before the horse supposition, and that how did minds know so much about the the astronomical calendar? And a lot of scientists believe because I've read a lot about the Mayan and Aztec cultures because that book, The Fingerprints of the Gods, I was talking about, got me started down that great book. Yeah, uh, great book. Um, you could even look at a place like Stonehenge that quote unquote shouldn't have been made. Well, the reason why those places existed is because modern or ancient man didn't have a calendar they could follow. They didn't have an atomic clock that they could follow. Their entire life depended upon their ability to be able to read and tell the seasons, when to reap, when to plant, when to bear down for winter, when to can. So they, they were forced to know a lot about the sky and the lining of the stars and what that meant to the respective geographic location they found themselves in. Hey, when star X is in this place in the sky, we have seven more moon cycles until it's time to reap the harvest. Cause if we don't, right. we won't have enough food to last us the winter time. And you Real can quick, say a lot about, sure okay. let me make sure I understand this. What you're saying, what I think you're saying, cause I want to make sure I understand this properly is that these, these civilizations they were, um, they had to be more aware of a different aspect of their experience that gave them knowledge that we couldn't because we don't. Not only do we not need the, um, but well, we use technology to understand our our experience. Exactly. Whereas they use the natural, natural, you know, the environment and a lot. They paid more attention to the, the the way that the stars position and, and all kinds of different things. They had to use a completely different way of understanding their experience here um than we do which is we use technology so our technology is essentially catching up to what their awareness had 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 been forced to um understand because of their culture and civilization i mean you're looking you're talking about civilizations think about this marquise i'm i I think about this a lot that for hundreds of thousands of thousands of years existed out in the jungles all over the worlds with no light pollution whatsoever and spent every night by the fire looking up to the stars in the sky there was no tv there was no there was no art there was no literature and for the majority of their time frame there was no written word people told stories by the fireplace and these civilizations still built monumental buildings created science the written word but just because life was harder for them in their and their lifespans were shorter did not mean they didn't hope and dream and look up at those stars and skies with whatever their perception of the future was and had the same hope that we do for mankind and the want and and advancement of our own species. And they would think and wonder and look at those stars and because their life afforded them, you know, it's funny. I'll say that to say this up until the industrial revolution, there was a very, there was a much more even kill between work play, meaning man had more time, that he didn't spend all of his days slaving away, producing widgets for some boss so they could get rich. The concept of, of society and money was a way different before the industrial revolution. You know, serfs, even, even English serfs had more time off than modern day man. There's a, they, that's proof. Right. So with that downtime came the chance to create and to wonder and to hope and dream. And it's what art, all forms of art are predicated upon. Uh, you know, so those same people that, I say all that to say this, they had more time to wonder and to dream and to look up into the sky and be awed by it. And by doing so, they would naturally have learned more about it than we do. We don't, the, there's less wonder in the world for us than there's ever been. 
You know, knowledge right. is great. It brings, it's given us so much, but it's also stolen our wonder. You know what I mean? And stealing our wonder, maybe we don't pay as much attention to the natural world as we used to. So, you know, that's, that's in conclusion, because I, again, we only have literally a minute or two left here. Um, I think that your, your perspective is really open. It's actually made me think a lot more about, be, be a little bit more skeptical and think a lot more about, I mean, you, you've, you've literally challenged every thought that I have about the phenomena, pretty much every thought I've had about the phenomena, including the ancient, my ideas about what these ancient cultures have seen. I mean, you're right. Like they, they've had to, their experience was guided by their, by their technological development and their civilization, their culture and civilizational development as well. And so it makes sense that they might have been able to have advancements in some ways that they, that we didn't until recently because of how our civilization and culture is and how we use technology versus we use the environment and so on and so forth. I, I didn't consider it to be totally honest. I just thought, Oh, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I make these leaps, which is why I'm glad that we have these conversations because you keep me grounded. So we got cut off. Sorry about that. But, but real quick in, um, I really want to explore again those ideas and and have them challenged. And I, I think that because of how um of my perspective and how biased I am, I I, I appreciate and I need the 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 a, a more skeptical perspective that's not so, you know, so open to these things by default. Um I don't want I I I can't help but to be open to these by default. I can't help it. I'm just I just feel like there's something to it, something more. I got, I, you know, we can talk about all day why I think that, but then you'll challenge all of it in which, and I think that's what I need personally. And I think that's what we all need. I think anybody who wants to know what the phenomena is and wants to know what it is, honestly, will take a look at this phenomena and, and be more objective and not so just believe everything that you hear or believe everyone that says that they've seen an alien body in a secret facility that they can't tell us about. I think it's important. So I appreciate that. Well, I, I'll juxtapose what you're saying with this. I need people like you. Um, there's an old saying that says something around the effect of uh, if you scratch a, if you scratch a cynic, you find a jaded optimist, you know, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that maybe life has beat some of the wonder out of me through experience and everything to that effect. And maybe I've learned my, maybe I had to learn a lot of hard lessons, but that doesn't mean that, that, you know, when I have these, these, these discussions with you, I respect your, your optimism and your hopefulness. I, I know where the thoughts are coming from. They're not coming from a malicious place that I get angry when people make suppositions that come from a malicious place or that lead to a, uh, lead yeah. to a malicious place. Yeah. That's where I get all Irish and shitty with people instead of being <laughs> calm and collective and arg or not even arguing, but, but having a debate about things. And there's two things that you do exceptionally well, man. You are very hopeful and you were very open to discussion about the things that you're hopeful about. And uh, I still believe all the same things you believe. It's just, I think we're just taking two different roads to get there. So these, these conversations, as much as you appreciate the, the, the challenge and the discussion, I appreciate the optimism. It reminds me that, that, you know, if you, if you were to take a true cynic and put him in place and say, well, what do you think? Well, blah, blah, blah. blah it's always going to be this X, Y, and Z then a lot of beautiful things would have never happened. You need somebody to dream up these wonderful things to, to speak them to the universe and to, to breathe them into reality. Because if people like me always had their way, things would never change. There wouldn't be much evolution if it was always like, well, you know, you have to think X, Y, and Z. And so uh, as much as we need well, people. That, right. Yeah. But, the, but that's what I'm saying is this a yin and yang to creation, right? Is that you right. need people 
to ground people, but you need people who can can think at a higher level and a little heady in the cloud sort of hopefulness because they balance each other out. And that's the that's the thought process that drags the rest of society into the future, I would say, you know? So I, as much as you need these conversations, I do as well, my friend. I appreciate that, my friend. Um, well, that's all we got for you today. I know you got a lot going on today, so I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Thank you very much, Drew. And we'll see you next time on the podcast.